in the church, someone always has your six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 164. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We are in session 11 in our What's Good guided study that we've been doing together. And here we're talking about one of God's amazing virtues that he enables us to have, and that is honesty. And honestly, like I said on the last episode, I'm kind of excited about this conversation because truthfulness is such a great blessing that God enables us to have in our lives. Well, and I think I was surprised coming to it as we prepared for this conversation, how many places honesty touches. You know, you think of it just like telling the truth, you know, right. especially going back to the be nice conversation from the last <laughs> episode. It's like, this is another basic thing. We have three rules in our house, uh, lots of rules, but like three core things, no dishonesty, no disobedience and no disrespect. And our kids know those three big things, but dishonesty shows up in a lot of places besides just telling the truth about who really took that toy first or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and spoken like a former marketing genius, we're going to get into our conversation starter here on the episode, which actually talks a little bit about our everyday experience with dishonesty. And that episode was called World's Best Cup of Coffee. This is what's good. World's Best Cup of Coffee. If there's anything we know from our modern media-fueled marketing landscape, we shouldn't trust what we see in advertisements. Commercials, billboards, and store signs usually make bold claims without the substance to back it up. The miracle pill turns out to be a placebo. The world's best cup of coffee is mediocre at best. The get-rich-quick scheme turns out pyramid-shaped. With the daily deluge of deception, it shocks our skepticism when we encounter someone honest and trustworthy. That handshake deal is a breath of fresh air in a world of snake oil salesmen and swindlers. So as we continue to appreciate God's good virtues, let's feel the freedom truthfulness provides. Well, here's the big idea. We love truthful words because they're the language our God uses to speak to us. We have a stable foundation of truth and honesty on which we build our lives when we hear our Lord and obey. While it's easy to imagine a stranger lying to us, it stings more when someone we love leads us astray. Because God loves us so much, it's impossible to imagine him saying anything to deceive us. God never lies. And because God can't lie, he won't tolerate us dabbling in deception either. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Proverbs 12:22. Rather than leaving us tangled in a web of dishonesty, the truth breaks those chains and sets us free. Honesty is a rare occurrence in our world, so it's refreshing to see it on display. We acknowledge those around us who act with integrity. We take seriously the impact we have on others when we make bold claims and deliver on them. And we speak healthy and wholesome words, not to make ourselves look good, but to speak like our Father speaks, truthfully and honestly. So here's the big question. How would it change your relationships if you were more open? So follow along with this guided study at biblegeeks.fm good, and may the Lord bless you and keep you today. Shalom. So 
I didn't mean to intend there that you being a former marketer was any sort of a bad thing, but it is true. Like you look around at all the commercials and stuff we see today and like, yeah, there's a lot of deception going on and people honestly saying things that really aren't very honest. It makes me think about, I think we both have an annual tradition back a couple months ago in December of watching Elf. And of course, you think about the naivete of (laughs) someone who isn't used to that marketing speak. Congratulations, (laughs) world's best cup of coffee. Uh. And when you think about, yeah, what's what people are saying, it really, if, if you aren't telling the truth, I'll tell you, as a former advertising and and marketing professional, it is not good business. It does not work out strategically for you to not (laughs) tell the truth. (laughs) Yeah. And so the big idea there in our conversation starter was that we love truthful words because they're the language our God uses to speak to us. That really touched me in a big way this time when I was thinking about it. I usually tend to leave the sports analogies to you, but I'm going to, if it's okay, I'm going to use my own uh, (laughs) on this episode. So last night I was at the Suns game and there was like a, an especially tense part of the game where one of our rookie point guards, Saban Lee, was out there on the court and he just got beat by another player defensively and there was a foul shot that was happening. And so Chris Paul, who I'm sure everybody knows Chris Paul, but like I think Charles Barkley called him like 102 years old or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he gets up off the bench and he shouts over to Saban and I'm looking down from our seats and I'm watching this conversation. And Chris is like showing him the moves that he just got beaten by. And he was explaining to him like how to prevent that next time. Mm. And I was just watching this interaction. I was like seeing how he was learning from the way that Chris was like explaining things to him. And, you know, we are learning the game of life from our God who he calls us to himself. He wants us to grow. He wants us to constantly be better and better. But what he shows us, what he demonstrates to us is honesty And all the time, he's trying to help us see ways around the wily cunning of Satan and his deception. I just love thinking about how God is training us to be more like himself in all the ways that he speaks to us, not with deception or lies, but always in truth. That's a fun picture. Come over here. Let me show you how not to get beat by that lie of Satan, (laughs) by that deceptive move that he just did. And that is what the truth does. It illuminates things for us. And the big question we asked in that conversation starter was, how would it change your relationships if you were more open? And last week we had our men's weekend at North, and it was several days of brothers talking through how we strengthen our bonds with each other. So much fun. And we talked a lot, not surprisingly, I guess, about how we listen and speak. And somebody brought up how much courage it takes to tell hard truths to each other, like those Iron sharpening iron, (laughs) wounds of a friend, you and I talk about a lot. But more to the point of this question, we also talked about how much courage it takes to tell the truth about yourself, to reveal what's real in your world. Even just to tell the truth about that stuff to yourself takes courage, just to honestly look at it, much less to someone else. And as guys, sometimes you and I joke, we don't like how emotions make us feel. (laughs) (laughs) So we'd rather avoid even thinking about the fact that under it all, maybe we haven't forgiven someone or we're anxious or there's some sin we don't want to talk about or there's some other emotion going on that is down deep. Maybe we're not looking at it. And sometimes it takes more courage to say the hard truth about yourself 
than the hard truth about someone else. Yeah. So how does it change us to be more open? Well, that really takes something to even look at. I, I totally agree with you. I think when we were talking about kindness last week, I brought up a similar point where it's hard yeah. to be sometimes kind to yourself and about honesty. It's definitely hard to be honest with yourself a lot of times and then also open up to other people. That's such a hard thing to do. So, of course, as we sort of deflect from talking about emotions, let's lighten the <laughs> let's mood. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to our icebreaker question and ask each other maybe a lighter hearted question. How do you respond when someone asks you for your thoughts on their outfit? <laughs> yeah, these aren't conversations I have with very many people. I don't remember <laughs> you ever saying, hey, Ryan, how does my outfit look? <laughs> anyway, so usually it's either my wife asking for an honest opinion about something, you know, is this working? Or one of my highly creative and expressive daughters, which I know you can relate to, oh, 100%. <laughs> has been sent to me by my wife to find out, is this outfit too far out there to be appropriate for church? So <laughs> I do tell the truth, but it's not usually the, do I look fat in this kind of question that maybe this question <laughs> is, is implying. And with Adrian, I do ask a lot of questions. How do you feel about it? Because... My wife knows better than anyone. I'm not a good source of fashion advice, so <laughs> she's not so much invested in what does Ryan think about this as just looking for a sounding board to figure out what she thinks about something. So I think I tell the truth, but I'm mostly just trying to be a thinking partner with somebody as as if it's my wife asking. That's, <laughs> that's super about clever, <laughs> I think, because... My general response to this question is also to ask a question. You know, if you're saying, like, how do you feel about it? My question in response, like, of course, to my wife or to my daughter, people who I think those are probably the only people who'd ever ask me that question. But like, <laughs> my question tends to be, do you really want to know my answer? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, let's just deal with that right off the bat. Do you really want to know? Because you may not be asking me a question that you're prepared to hear the answer for. And it's almost an answer in itself. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, everybody's very reasonably dressed, of course, around our house. But it's dangerous waters for sure. Either way we go. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that that takes us beyond this icebreaker level of, of just the silly question about your outfit. At least trying to understand what conversation are we in? Do you, <laughs> does this person really want to know my answer? Is is this something someone is ready for? I taught the book of Job last year, and at the beginning of the book in chapter three, there's this lament where Job is asking why. Yeah. He just is over and over again asking a million different ways, why is this happening? Which all of us at some point have probably asked that kind of question in sorrow and suffering. And his friends then begin to answer why <laughs> and they just start to unload well since you asked as if he was really <laughs> wanting to know their opinion as opposed to struggling with this existential question so i think figuring out are they really asking me what is my opinion about this is a pretty good thing to ask <laughs> yeah well moving on from clothing maybe to something more substantive <laughs> let's get into our jesus said segment here and we're going to talk from John chapter 8, roughly focused around verse 32, but I think the context surrounding that verse is also helpful. This is a place where Jesus has a very powerful thing to say about the truth. Yeah, very simple, familiar verse, John eight thirty-two, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So truth is going to be a key word for us, obviously, here in this conversation. But what do you take from this? Yeah, so I think this is probably one of those verses that are like in the pantheon of pop culture verses from the Bible that people know. Of course, like John 3.16 here, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe that's a movie quote that most people know about. But, you know, he's not just really promoting, I think, that people believe true things. This isn't just sort of like a general statement about truth. Like true things will set you free. I don't think that's what he's saying here, because in the context, he's really talking to Jews who were leaning toward actually believing him, seeing him as the son of God, which was a big jump for a lot of Jewish people in Jesus' day. And so this is, I think, more a specific truth that we should be living within. This is something that we should be abiding in. That's the verse right before this, right? Exactly, yes. And so Jesus is God's son. And those teachings here provide a firm foundation for everyone who wants to believe in him to basically be protected against the world's lies and destruction. It's kind of similar to what John says in 2 John chapter 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. It's really just settling into the truth that Jesus is God's Son. And that truth really changes the whole game, I think, for us. And I think about, too, like back to our Training Wheels series where we did that lesson on integrity and how we can provide a stable foundation for our kids by Mm -hmm. being people who are honest, people who have follow-through with our kids that they know and can expect what we're going to do and the ways that we're going to do it. And it's the same with Jesus. You know, we're not only going to abide with him in just following his example and thinking about him positively, but we're going to abide with him when we hear what he says and believe it enough to actually practice it and do it. That's such a core part of this conversation that is one of the things I was alluding to in the beginning when I said it's about more than telling the truth and not lying, living the truth. That's a that's a very biblical idea, understanding that we're we're living in the truth, we're settling into it, we're letting it live in us, and then it directs all that we do. And I grabbed a hold of the, the end of the verse, if that's the beginning, to know the truth, to have the truth within you so that it it can set you free. This idea of being free is the part that the Jews grabbed a hold of. Yeah. They say, we've never been enslaved. <laughs> and so uh. Jesus is saying, yeah, that they, they were enslaved by someone. And yesterday I heard my kids talking about slavery. It was interesting kind of to overhear as they're trying to work through this idea of someone else owning you and the history of slavery and how it still exists in the world, which is a pretty tragic idea. The Bible talks about men stealers in the old King James language or enslavers. And that's what the Jews thought Jesus was talking about, being someone else's slaves. But once you get what Jesus is talking about, you start to see slavery everywhere. Yeah. Every time somebody makes a choice that isn't what they know is best, maybe even isn't what they really want to do, it's a kind of slavery. When someone is manipulated or makes a destructive choice, maybe we're hoping that this choice will bring us love or acceptance or just numb us to reality for a while. But that's slavery. That's the slavery Jesus wants to set us free from. Lies own us until the truth of Christ breaks us free. And what we know, Jesus is saying, starts to give us clarity and power 
to live free in Christ. And it just changes how we wield the truth when we realize its effectiveness, to realize that truth has this inherent organic power to liberate us. Some truth is just life-changing and freeing in this way, and the truth that Christ brings us just changes everything. Yeah, and I, I find it so amazing here how Jesus is really just elevating the conversation to something that they weren't really expecting to talk about here when, when he was really telling them to believe in him and that they're going to be free from all kinds of things that they never even knew that they were actually enslaved to in the first place. Yeah, that's something that Jesus does a lot where he goes from something we know, right, the water with the woman at the well or Nicodemus with being born again or here with slavery so that then we get this aha whenever we realize, oh, this is about something much deeper than this. And so hopefully that's where the Jews ended up. And hopefully that's where we ended up to see the power of these words. For sure. All right. So let's move into our second segment here on the episode. And that is Scripture Du Jour. What is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. So we're going to consider a maybe lengthy passage here. In Ephesians chapter 4, the entire chapter, there's a lot to be said here in this chapter about honesty. I love Ephesians 4. You know, if you look at the book of Ephesians, just six chapters, Ephesians 4 is about the turning point where, at least in my estimation, the first three chapters are a lot about thinking and changing our thinking. And then the last three chapters are a lot about changing what we do. And so here in chapter 4, as we begin this conversation about changing what we do and how all the truth about Jesus and his grace and the gospel changes our lives. What's the very first thing we do here in chapter four? Well, we basically change the way we treat each other. We unify, we bind together as the church, and we go from walking like old people to walking like a new people. And one of the things that he really focuses on here is saying truthful things. And so when we talk about honesty, I think Ephesians 4 is a great place to go so what do you take from this section, this whole chapter, really, about honesty? Yeah, that's a great summary of this chapter. And there's this key little phrase, a few words that comes up a lot in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. And a few years ago, without even realizing what was happening, you know how you sometimes just step into something, you have no idea what you're getting into. And I stepped into the middle of a heated, longstanding, emotional debate about speaking the truth in love. And it was clear pretty quickly that there were old, hurt feelings from people on one side, using this verse to justify maybe saying things in a way that didn't feel loving. Sure. And on the other side, people standing for this duty to tell people hard truths no matter what. And it kind of reminded me of this Gardner Hall book. I don't know if you've read it, Conviction versus Mercy. Uh -uh. It's, it's pretty good. It's kind of about this generational distinction in the church about this, this right versus right dilemma. One group kind of holding on to conviction as the heart of the thing and one group kind of holding on to mercy. But really, sometimes, like in this debate over speaking the truth in love, both sides can oversimplify the kind of discernment and care it takes to handle the truth well. And it takes a lot of care to tend to people well. And so the, the in love, speaking the truth in love here, 
doesn't define the tone of voice we use. Sure. It defines our motivation because our goal isn't to dutifully soothe our conscience by getting this hard conversation over with. I don't know if you've ever felt like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation, but I know I have to. <laughs> I know that it's the right thing. It's going to bother me unless I tell them this thing that they did wrong or that whatever. And so you just get it over with and you're and it's more about you than it's about them. But the reason we tell the truth is to serve the other person. That's what it means to tell the truth in love. And so that defines how we say it, what will reach them best. It defines when we say it or whether we're even the right person to say it. In love tells us that the truth is going to have power and that's important, but I need to have the right goal and let that define everything about what is said, how it's said, and, and every other decision that we make. And so for me, looking at the rest of this chapter, Ephesians 4, it helps me to answer some of the questions that I need in order to apply these words better. I see several truths here that can help us to really alter our relationships if we apply it and it'll help us to, to really speak the truth in love. So first off, why does love lead me to tell people the truth of Christ? And what verse 18 tells us is that without it, our understanding of everything is darkened and we're left alienated from God's life because of our ignorance. Why do I tell the truth? Because I want to get people out of the darkness, out of the ignorance, out of the alienation from God. And then secondly, why does love keep us from ever deceiving each other about anything? Why do I tell the truth? Why don't I lie? Because verse 25 tells us we're members <laughs> of each other. I love that verse. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It, I think that it says something like that in Romans 12 also. Yep. We aren't separate in Christ's body. I'm not just part of Jesus. I'm part of you. I'm your arm. I'm your eye, <laughs> right? There is this spiritual reality deep down beyond our vision that connects us. And so we cannot be divided. And so I'm serving myself. I'm serving what is connected to me whenever I tell you the truth. And then what is our goal? What is the purpose we aim for every time we talk to each other? And verse 29 tells us, that we only want to say what builds the other person up. And this is interesting, what gives them grace? That's a good question to ask before I say something. Is this word that I'm about to tell them going to give grace? And then in that same verse, it says it needs to fit that particular moment. What is this moment about? What is needed right now for them, not for me? What is going to build them up and give them grace right now? So this whole chapter, I agree with what you said. It really ties together. It's about a lot of things, about unity for sure, but it really ties together also this idea of speaking the truth and how love leads us in it. You know, what is the reason why we talk to each other? What is, what is the reason why we're maybe sometimes saying difficult things that we need to say for each other's benefit? It's not so we can get something off of our chest or we can move past something and just let somebody, you know, venting our, our grievances or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> the airing of grievances. The airing, the airing of grievances. Exactly. So it's not even just that. It, it's all about doing things for other people's benefit. And when you frame it like that, when you frame this in love, speaking the truth in love, it definitely changes the tone for sure, but it, it changes mm -hmm. The content of what you say. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Right. I guess that's that's part of the question here. Like, 
where are your words coming from? Are they coming from a place of frustration or anger? Or are they coming from the fact that you know that you're a member of that person? (laughs) You know, like you are a part of that person, like you were talking about, and you love yourself so much that you would want somebody else to come to you and say these things. And so that's why you say these things to other people to help them just like you would want them to help you. Yeah. And he does a lot of the don't do this, but instead do that, which is also really helpful. It's specific, not just about the don'ts, but what do you replace it with? And so we start to see not only don't give corrupting speech and tear each other down, don't lie, but you start to get a picture of what it looks like to live this in the the new man that we're meant to be living. It's not just putting off the old man, but there's a new person. Christ is living in us. So what does it look like in our words and our actions for Christ to live in us? I And I'm so glad that you went down the nitty gritty details aspect of this, which Paul definitely does here, because I I had such a hard time when I was reading this chapter not to like fixate on one section of it and have a hard time moving on. I, I'm want <laughs> to do that from time to time, but there was a section here right around verse 14 and 15, where he's talking about how we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And Mm. immediately I just, I landed on that and I had a real hard time moving forward (laughs) because I don't know that I've really just thought about that picture enough. Little kids don't do well in the waves. And Mm. it's such a weird comparison that he's using. Like, Okay, now think about kids and throw them in the ocean and how do they fare out there? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not a good scenario. I was thinking about how not too long ago we took a gaggle of kids to San Diego and let them go play in the ocean for a couple days. We were all there hanging out and some of the older kids would go out and they loved just getting into the deeper water where they almost couldn't stand anymore And they were big enough to where we didn't worry about them so much. But then we had these like little, little ones. They started to venture out too far into the waves where it was a little bit more dicey. Parents were getting nervous and they wanted to make sure that all those little, little kids were okay and safe. I think that's such a powerful picture that Paul is painting for us, that that is what it is like when we are immature, when we don't have the kind of stability, we don't have our feet underneath us really, to be able to handle the waves. And he's not saying here that we need to isolate ourselves, that we need to like live in some kind of commune somewhere where we're just away from the world and we never hear the world's lies. He's like, you're in the water. You are a, you are a person who is in the water. And what is the solution to the waves? It's not mm-hmm. to get out of the waves. It's not to go like sit on the beach. The solution to the waves is to grow up. And that's, I think, what he's really focusing on here is is being more mature, growing up, getting to the point where we can stand the schemes of the devil. And how do we do that? Well, he says that we do that by speaking the truth in love. And that's how we grow up, being more and more mature like Jesus. But as we become more like Jesus and we grow and we stabilize in our faith, we start growing up in this way to where we're no longer believing every little lie or half-truth or whatever it is that we hear, we're able to stand strong knowing that we are following Jesus, who only ever speaks to us in the language of truth. That is forever going to affect how I read this verse, that (laughs) picture you just gave. That is really a visceral picture. 
and and it takes me back to not when I was a child, but as a teenager, learning how to surf and boogie board and everything. Those times when a big wave would come and you get so disoriented as you're knocked down and you're getting thrown around. You don't know which way is up. You're just trying to kind of ride it out so that you can find your way back to the surface and breathe. And the difference between that and standing maybe knee deep in hard waves, but feeling the sand underneath your feet, being able to stand and let all this swirling and beating of the waves come around you without losing your stability. And that picture of us growing up so that we can stand strong instead of being a little kid thrown all over the place and in danger of dying because of these powerful waves of lies and craftiness that are disorienting us to what which way is up, you know? Yeah. And I, I love the community aspect here, too, because obviously, you know, you're not out there in the waves alone. We speak the yeah. truth to each other. We are to grow up in every way. So it's almost like one of those bigger kids or an adult coming over and like just grabbing the shoulder of one of the little kids in the waves. It's like, you're going to be okay. You can stay out here, but someday you won't need me to hold you up like this. Someday you'll be able to stand on your own. Yeah, one brother at our men's weekend last weekend said, in the church, someone always has your six. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, somebody's got your back. There's lifeguards everywhere to continue your metaphor. Lifeguards everywhere. There's people that are looking looking out for you. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, so let's move into our third and final segment here on the episode, and that is our reach out question. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Okay, so our reach out question this week is, what does integrity mean? mean to you? I wish there was like some more depth to this question because you could take this almost <laughs> any it's direction, right? so simple, but yeah, you the depth is built into the word integrity, right? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, and as I was thinking about this, maybe I've got a lot of other things on my mind right now, but I was thinking about how integrity for me says that everything is connected properly and I can be sure that it is. And I, I kind of say that because Right now, we've had some work done in our backyard. I guess I talked about it on a couple episodes back, but at some point, we smelled gas out in our backyard, and we were like, what is that smell? So we called the gas company out, and they came, and they looked at everything. They were like, no, everything's fine. They were like, but the gas line that this landscaping company installed, yeah, they didn't have it inspected, and so they had to actually disconnect it. And there was this whole thing where like now the the landscaping company had to come back out and they had to uncover all of the gas line that they had installed to our grill in the backyard so that they could have it inspected properly. And like I was just kind of thinking about how frustrated I was with that whole situation. Like I couldn't trust that they did the job right the first time. I didn't know what was hiding underneath the surface. Like couldn't the inspection company come out and just wave their hand over the work that had been done and say, yeah, it must be all okay. No, they had to go through and they had to see it all uncovered, laid bare before them so that they could actually look at it and give it their stamp of approval. And as I was thinking about integrity and like honesty and jobs being done well, you know, I think that's coloring my thoughts just a little bit. For me, I want to be sure that I'm not just living, but that I'm living carefully and correctly. It's not enough just to do things by rote or rehearsal or whatever, like even in areas that other people may not see, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is is right and upstanding. You know, especially maybe around this time of year, like January, as you're thinking about goals, having those goals, having those intentions line up with the actions that I do, 
there should be no need for anyone to question my motives, that everything should be connected properly. And what I do comes from what I believe and feel. And, and it kind of goes to that speaking the truth in love idea, right? Like, you know that somebody is sincere, you know that somebody is true and honest, and that what they're saying is actually coming from a good and proper place within their heart. And so I guess I just want to be seen as stable and reliable and that people can count on me and they don't have to micromanage me. They don't have to like question every little movement that I'm making. If I'm a person of integrity, everything is connected up properly, I guess. And everything's been inspected. And oh, by the way, it's past the inspection. So maybe that's a super personal example for me, but just thinking about integrity has me really frustrated with the lack of integrity that's been done in some of the work around our house. No, I think you're just full of helpful pictures here today. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a really insightful analogy to help us visualize what integrity is. And I also like how you talked about stability and reliability that comes from integrity. It's all these pieces connected, all these pieces are lined up integrity is the work we do to stay lined up with God and with ourselves. Proverbs 11.3, which I think we've looked at before, says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So integrity is being whole or complete, which is in this Hebrew word. In contrast with crookedness, integrity is lined up straight. There's no kink in the gas line. There's no break in the gas line of, of your picture there. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're really lined up and connected. When Daniel was pushed to eat foods in Daniel 1 that he shouldn't, and he purposed in his heart he wouldn't sin against the Lord, he had an internal clarity and integrity. Things were lined up within him. And then he stayed true to that when he followed through and acted with integrity. Right. So it's it's why we speak the truth, back to what we were just talking about, why we live from love and truth. We are lined up with the truth and we're lined up with ourselves. So what we choose to believe, what we say we are, what we're motivated by shows up in what we're doing. I think about a man walking by a building that's on fire and imagine that he sees a small child through the window and he decides to run in. We would call that courage, of course. He's risking his life to save the child. But another way to name it is integrity because he stayed lined up with what he believed he had to do. Right. He did the only thing he felt he could. He knew who he was and what he stood for. And that's what leads us to do the moral, courageous things that we do. This is something I, every Sunday morning, get up and work through before I get up and speak the word. I'm just spending time for a couple hours in the morning praying and working through, is there some area where I'm not complete and lined up with God and with what I know is right? Is there a person I'm not right with? Have I fully applied the word to myself? Can I go forward knowing I've confessed my sins, I've surrendered my life and all of the issues of my life to God? What I'm trying to do is make sure when I get up there and talk, I'm lined up. All the pieces are connected and, yeah. and aligned. And so th because the, the power is in the word, but it also really needs to be coming from someone who is living it. There's just real force and power in the kind of transparency and clarity that comes with speaking that word with integrity, which is different than saying you're speaking it from a life of perfection. 
but you're complete when you stand up there. You're whole. You've worked through things, and God, Christ, makes you complete as you speak these things. I think it's very much in line, I think, with what Paul said in Colossians 3.17, right? Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's all connected. (laughs) You know, it's not just Mm -hmm. that you're pumping out words on a Sunday morning from the pulpit. It's that your heart is connected to the word, is connected to your words and all of those things. Right. They've been inspected. They've been clearly thought out, laid out. And you know that what you're saying comes from the right place. And I guess that whole idea of sincerity and doing things in a connected, wholehearted way I think probably moves into our challenge here for this week. Yeah. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. And that challenge is to notice someone's sincerity and acknowledge it. I think clearly you could see examples of insincere people. We talked about snake oil salesmen there in our conversation (laughs) starter. But there are people all around us who live the best way that they know how. They're fully connected people. And When you see that, I think it's a breath of fresh air and noticing it and then also pointing it out to somebody and thanking them, acknowledging it is is a big deal, I think. That's exactly right. It's a breath of fresh air. Sincerity is another aspect of truthfulness. It gets through to us. It gets through the fog to, oh, yeah, this is what it's all about. You, you hear in a worship service, a young man, maybe he's just starting to lead a public prayer and you hear he's really working through real things up there with God or a sister says a kind word to you. And just the look in her eye tells you this is this is from something that that she cares about and she really is invested in you. And just all the people, you know, who, as John says in First John 3, they don't love in word, but in deed and in our keyword, truth. truth. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, you know, at times we can all lose our way, I think, and start going through the motions. And that's when those people who are sincerely connected to the source of their faith can bring us back to what matters. So, yeah, the challenge is this week, find one of those people and let them know what their devotion to God means to you. I see you. I see you in your sincerity. I love it. All right, so let's close out this episode here with a closing prayer. And if you've downloaded the study guide for this episode, the suggested prayer is teach me to love truth and hate falsehood like you do. And that comes from Proverbs 12, verse 22. Of course, so many of the Proverbs talking about how God hates lying and how he loves truthfulness. And so let's close this conversation out with a prayer. Our holy God in heaven, we see you as awesome and majestic in all the earth. As we close out this conversation today about honesty and integrity and sincerity, we can't help but think about how amazing you are, how you speak to us the way that you do in truth, in honesty, and that you have never lied to us. We trust you, and we ask that you would help us when we struggle to trust in you. And while we live in this world that's constantly bombarding us with lies and misinformation, please guard us against Satan's schemes, against those waves that would batter against us. We pray that you would show us the light in the darkness as it shines in this life and the words of your son, Jesus. We're so grateful that you've taught us how to live a better way, and we ask for humility to speak the truth to each other in love. We ask that you would guard our little ones who struggle more and more in this world that grows further and further away from you. We pray that you'll help us to put our hands on them and speak truth to them We pray that you will continue to help them grow and mature to stand strong someday 
We pray that you'll help us to be an anchor for the world around us and especially for our members or those who believe in you and your son. Help us to share the word with them. We pray that you'll teach us to love the truth and to hate lies the way that you do. And in everything, we pray that our focus on what is good will lead us to love you more and more. We thank you for Jesus, who always leads us to the light of truth. We offer this prayer in his name. Amen. Amen. So next week, we'll get into, as you love to say, our penultimate study in this session. Here it is. (laughs) Our 12th guided study of 13. And in that study, we'll focus on humility. And so to prep for that, if you get a chance to read a few passages, we encourage you to read Philippians 2, verses 3 to 11, Luke 14, verse 11, and James 3, verses 14 to 17. Another controversial topic. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, don't really appreciate kindness. Don't hate us on social media. Don't talk just about because. honesty. And listen, do not tell people that you are humble. <laughs> I mean, these these things that everybody knows are right, sometimes because we know that they're just so obviously right, we can sort of skimp on our teaching on exactly. them, or at least I can, yep. and not talk about them as much. So there's, there's a lot of depth to these important truths. A hundred percent, which is why I hope everyone enjoys these conversations and is ready to have these conversations on your own. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at biblegeeks.fm slash 164. If you want to download these conversations, we have them freely available on our website at biblegeeks.fm slash good. You can download all of these conversations, have them with a friend on your own. You can even have these with your church. It does not matter. We would love it if you would share these things with others and grow from them yourselves. Thanks again so much, everyone, for tuning in. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.